you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Good morning, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, Knoxville is certainly the hub of East Tennessee, and the steady growth of the city over the past few decades has really made Knoxville a desired place to work, play, and live. You know, we've got, I think, just the city limits. We've got over 200,000 residents, thousands of businesses, and of course, we've got the University of Tennessee, and then when you look at the entire statistical metropolitan area you know we're over 900,000 now so a lot of a lot of small town feel but also some big city opportunities and you know India Kincannon was elected mayor of the city of Knoxville in 2019 and she has spent her first year on the job managing the city during this COVID pandemic while working on initiatives to drive economic growth promote affordable housing within city limits reduce our carbon footprint, and deploy new safety measures in both the police and the fire departments. There's so much going on. There's so much to talk to or talk about. So please welcome me Welcome me in uh, saying hello to Mayor India Kincannon to our show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank yeah, you for great. having me on this morning. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Mayor Kincannon, you know, you're the second female mayor in Knoxville's history, following right in the footsteps of Mayor Rojero. How does it feel to be part of that exclusive club, and do you feel an extra set of pressures to do a good job? Well, I uh, had the good fortune to work with Mayor Rojero uh, for a couple years um, when she was breaking those glass ceilings, and uh, I'm really grateful to um, be following in her footsteps. And I, I do, you know, I think there is some uh, extra attention uh, when there's still women in, in leadership roles are still uh, not as common as, as we might hope. Uh, but I do think that uh, more and more people are just getting used to it and they want good leaders, male, female, black, white. They just want good leadership that people who have integrity and, and good ideas and vision and, and the wherewithal to get it done. And, and so um, I've learned a lot from my predecessor, Mayor Rojero, but also, uh, you know, Mayor and then Governor Haslam and, and uh, other other leaders, too. So uh, the fun part about being a woman mayor of Knoxville is I, I do get the opportunity to speak to Girl Scout troops and other, other people where um, representation matters. You know, when little girls uh, are seeing Absolutely. women in leadership positions, it can really be an inspiration. So I, I take that um, responsibility seriously, and it's a it's a, a fun part of my job too. Yeah, I like what you said there about just you know people want good leadership, and you know it's been so necessary over this last year with the pandemic, 
And, you know, it, being in your second year in office as mayor, I'm sure there's a, there's been a learning curve. And then you throw on, throw into that the, the worldwide pandemic. What is leading during this pandemic right out of the gate almost with your term? What has that been like? Yeah, I be, I was sworn in in late December and uh, was actually, you know, just uh, hitting the ground and getting our budget, our first uh, budget put together. And then, um, as you know, mid-March, the pandemic hit and um, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of uh, unknowns. And um, so it, it did really have a, it was a entering uh, the leadership role in, in a very much a, a crucible situation. So the good news is that uh, when you have a crisis, people rise to the occasion. And I have a great team around me uh, where we worked really hard to help uh, understand the issues and respond. And, and first and foremost, make sure the city of Knoxville services, uh, we never closed the city, not for a single day. We wanted to make sure our first responders had the, the personal protective equipment that they needed to stay safe and continue to respond to emergencies. Um, and and uh, we, we did that. Uh, it also helped me... Um, break down silos and, and work really collectively and collaboratively with uh, Chancellor Plowman at University of Tennessee and our, our of course our, our friends at Knox County, including especially Dr. Buchanan and her amazing team of of people leading us through this um, pandemic. So I probably had more meetings with Dr. Buchanan um, uh, in this last year than I ever would have expected of sitting there, but. Um, but information and getting that out to people who have concerns, that, that's number one, is communication, sure. telling people the truth, including when you don't know the answers, and, and just communication uh, frequently and honestly as, as much as possible. Well, let's talk about Mayor Kincannon. Let's talk about leadership throughout this pandemic. You know, it, getting everybody on the same page and rallied, and I know you've worked a lot directly with Mayor Jacobs as well. You know, they got the mm-hmm. health the health board. Um, you know, there's been some controversy about you know what mandates should be. You know, the governor. You know, we're we're, we're, we're I guess Knoxville City is Knoxville is one of the six uh, areas in the city that mm-hmm. have their own health department, and he's given that authority mm-hmm. to the city. So, talk a little bit about. The, the need and how you've been able to lead and get everybody rallied together and unified, even when people have differing opinions. Um, just talk a little bit about your approach and perspective to that. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The, the main point all along has been to try to have a united front because um, actually I've, I've had the opportunity to you know, study crisis management in, in the past, whether it was the 1918 pandemic or um, you know, other sorts of crises, um, you know, mining disasters or whatever. And, and when, and the main thing, a, a united front, but also where you have honest conversations and, and back and forth dialogue about ways to approach it. So, um, sometimes we would have, uh, some disagreements, um, about approaches, but, uh, Mayor Jacobs and I tried to present a united front. He, he obviously, you know, um, has a different, uh, philosophy about, government's role in pandemics, but uh, he um, has now fully adopted like the need for face masks and stuff like that. So I do, I try to uh, lead by example uh, and find common ground. And so wearing a mask in my public appearances, uh, sometimes even when I'm more than six feet apart for some, from somebody, just as a, uh, you know, to set a good example and normalize uh, something like face masks and, and try to 
remind people that nobody wants to hurt our economy or our, our businesses, but that it's the pandemic that is causing that, not our efforts to mitigate it. And, and to, the, to the extent that we can control the pandemic, um, that's going to help us uh, keep our schools open, our hospitals running, and our, business, and our economy running. So just continuing to emphasize that and, and reaching out and, and understanding that it's a really hard time for people um, yeah. and employees and everybody. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the balance between keeping people mm-hmm. safe and keeping businesses open. I know, I think that bars and restaurants still on are closing at ten o'clock, if that's correct. But just um, the balance. Well, the board of recently pushed, pushed it back to eleven. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay. Great. Yeah. But just the ba- the need for balance there, because you know we have businesses, mm-hmm. especially in the retail and in the re- or in the restaurant and hotel industries. Mm-hmm. Just talk about how you balance the needs of the economy and the needs of of people's livelihoods with the healthcare concerns. Right. Well, I think the the main thing is sort of an educational uh, piece uh, to try to help people understand that uh, if people are getting sick and dying, that's going to hurt the economy more than if we do our best to prevent that. And also the the idea that, um, you know, this is not uh, something that indivi- individual decisions, of, you know, working in a bar and you get it and it doesn't cause too much uh, suffering on your personal health, it can still f- trickle down into someone who, a friend who works at an assisted living who then, you know, gets the infection into sure. people who are much more vulnerable. So that that's a really hard part for people to understand because many people get COVID and have no symptoms and then they're better and they're like, what's the big deal? But, you know, we've lost, um, you know, 450 lives just here in Knox County and, and in less than a year, you know, since this pandemic hit. So, um, you know, the balance is trying to find a new normal. You know, we are in a place where uh, the bars and restaurants were never shut down. Uh, briefly, in April, they were shut down. But uh, since then, we have worked with the Board of Health to say, okay, how can we keep things open and stay safe? So I think that's the thing to do is try to operate under this new normal. Uh, the city of Knoxville um, invited people to, uh, you know, apply for um, outdoor dining spaces, even if it's used uh, un- un- non-traditional areas and parking lots or alleys or whatever. So uh, staying outside, it's a little harder now that we're in uh, winter, but, um, you know, people have adapted. Uh, we have incredible entrepreneurs who um, find a way to make it happen, uh, order order lamps, and, and we've had uh, great partnerships with the business community and the banking community to help businesses apply for um, those PPP loans and and other things to help get um, ventilation and heaters and other ways to keep their business open and protect their employees and patrons. We're visiting with Knoxville Mayor India Kincannon this morning, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about what how the city has invested a large amount of money into support for local residents and businesses in the pandemic, and then what are the budgetary challenges down the road as we continue to visit with Mayor Ken Cannon. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to more living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and this morning we're visiting with Knoxville Mayor India Kincannon, and we're talking about really all the things going on with the city and uh, Mayor Kincannon, the city uh, did invest a large chunk of money, almost $6 million, I think $5.7 million, to support local mm-hmm. residences and businesses during the pandemic. So tell us about the support the city was able to offer. Yeah, well, probably the number one thing we, we're investing those dollars in is to help people um, who are on the verge of becoming homeless or being evicted stay in their homes. Uh, because when people um, get evicted, it's a, uh, obviously a precipice of, uh, of problems that can come cascading around you. And if people can stay in their homes, um, pay their rent, keep their family intact, uh, it makes a big difference. So a big chunk of those, uh, those dollars has been funneled towards agencies and entities helping people stay in their homes, pay their KUB bills. Um, and, and, uh, uh, and if people have experienced, um, you know, evictions, Getting them rapidly rehoused. Sometimes, um, you know, families who've been living in cars, we, we help them find places to stay in a hotel until they can, um, you know, get a regular apartment. So a hotel is not ideal, but it's certainly, you know, better than, than a car. So, so that's, that's the number one thing. We've also, uh, worked to, um, we've contributed to, uh, Knox County Schools efforts to make sure kids have Wi-Fi access at home because, um, they have been open all year, but sometimes due to um, either, you know, sometimes kids have chosen virtual because of their family circumstances or sometimes schools have closed down. So we've spent money to, you know, support the schools. Um, also helping uh, workforce development initiatives, you know, people who've lost their jobs. Um, so we're working in partnership with the Chamber and, and Tennessee College of Applied Technology and other entities to retrain people and get them back employed because, um you know, a job is an important effort. Uh, sure. When people have a job, it just stabilizes everything. So, well, uh, you know, so the the city's really invested into the community and helping support during the pandemic. Now, the the flip side is sales tax revenue has been down for almost all governments over the past year, and I know a balanced budget is a must for the city of Knoxville. Now, you have your your budget retreat coming up next week. Uh, talk yeah. about the challenges. I assume it's going to be a very tight budget this year. Well, you know, for a number of years, our uh, expenses have exceeded our revenues because, uh, you know, we need to pay our uh, employees uh, fairly and competitively. And, and the, you know, so cost of salaries keeps going up. Uh, we've Our cost of health insurance goes up, but the city budget has absorbed that rather than passing it on to employees. So, so over, you know, almost two-thirds of our budget is people. We're a service organization, and so as those costs go up, we work hard to, um, you know, be efficient and, and, and save money um, in, in uh, things like LED and energy efficiency and that sort of thing. Uh, but still, our, our costs continue to rise. So it is a tight budget. Our sales tax and property tax revenues, um, we had a very much a, a status quo budget last year because the pandemic hit and we had no idea what that would do to revenues. Um, but while, while the pandemic has had a really difficult impact, it's been a, a, on the economy as a whole. Um, you know, our, our sales tax revenues have been uh, 
steadier than we expected. Um, it's just that That's people good. are spending their money in, diff- in different ways. Uh, grocery store uh, and, and, you know, people buying alcohol and stuff has been higher. <laughs> um, but then they're lower in some other areas. So, you know, people are spending more time on, on home improvement projects. And so so things are uh, not as as dire as as they could have been. Uh, but, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tight, and we're going to have to examine that and see how we can um, – you know, invest in the city and keep things going because um, we don't want to defer maintenance on important things like our streets and, and sidewalks and, and buildings uh, because when you defer maintenance, that ends up costing you more in the long run. So we're going to have to take a careful look at it and, and do the most fiscally responsible thing. Well, and I'm sure we'll love to have you on uh, in May when the budget is announced to get your perspective on all that. Now, let's talk about policing and racial unrest, Mayor Kincannon. You know, it's really been a large part of the environment, especially since last year. The Knoxville Police Department has added some additional equipment like body cameras for on-duty officers. They have an updated code of conduct and a behavioral health specialist as part of the response Mm -hmm. team. What are the goals of implementing them, and what has been the impact of these measures? Yeah, well, I'm really proud uh, that one of my first actions as mayor was to get uh, funding to move forward with body cameras because everyone knew it was the right thing to do. The community wanted it. The police officers wanted it. And uh, we just needed to pay for it. It's not cheap and, and it's ongoing expenses. Uh, it's not just the initial equipment purchase because all those videos need to be stored and managed and, and that sort of thing. So that's that's where some of the ongoing costs are. So we're those are out in the field. Um, you know, we're we're you know the, our officers are pleased to have them. Our um, our citizens are pleased to have them because of of the need for mutual accountability. So I think that's a really big win. I'm also pleased that um, City Council approved a pilot program. Uh, we now have a social worker who's on call to respond to uh, to help us with with people who have emergencies and call it 911, but their emergencies are more mental health in nature. So uh, we need to have police officers present to make sure that they're safe before an unarmed social worker goes in to help. Um, and so that, that's that been a good, successful pilot so far, but we just have one person. So we, we're going to examine that uh, the performance and how that's gone and see if maybe if it's working well, whether we uh, include in the budget more social workers to respond. Our, our officers do a great job, and they have crisis intervention training, um, but you know the, the skills of a, a licensed professional in those fields um, is really um, uh, a nice addition to our public safety because public safety is not just about arresting people and uh, you know it's also just helping people feel safe and sometimes those interventions lead to people getting you know uh, health uh, mental health um, crisis interventions and in, in ways that aren't in going to leading to incarceration but leading to addressing their underlying health needs. So, so I'm really pleased about those. I think, um, our, our, our police, uh, team is doing a really great job. We also, unfortunately, and this is true across the nation, we've had a, uh, significant, uh, increase in, in homicides and violent crimes. And I think, uh, that's, uh, again, an issue, a reflection of the turmoil that the pandemic and uncertainty has caused. So, um, we are working closely with community members and, and uh, our violent crime intervention and reduction team to address those in a very proactive way. So um, probably we, need, we need our police officers. They do a good job. But we also need them to evolve and um, be uh, following all the best practices as far as uh, how we intervene and interact with the public. So, Can you talk, Mayor? It's an ongoing effort. 
<laughs> Can you talk on revising the code of conduct and use of force policies mm-hmm. to align with this eight can't wait principles? Yeah. Um, after the death of George Floyd, which um, you know everybody saw that horrifying video, um, a lot of people had questions, including me, about what you know how to make sure that kind of thing never happens here in Knoxville. Um, and so we reviewed our code of uh, use of force. Uh, policies, and uh, I decided that we needed to not use chokeholds anymore, uh, that there are other ways to uh, interact with people, and and even if you need to handcuff and and arrest them, there are other ways to do that uh, that are less violent and less likely to um, cause death. So we we got rid of that. We also had a duty to intervene. Um, You know, so if a police officer sees one of his or her colleagues doing something in violation of of policy or just something that they know in their heart of hearts is wrong, they have a duty to intervene. And that was in, in KPD's um, sort of policies, but this is, we made it more explicit and more clear and retrained people on that to make sure Sure. of those things. So, so I I think, uh, KPD was very open and receptive to these changes, and now that we have them on the books and, and the community knows what to expect and that we have body cameras, um, we have, um, you know, so far, you know, things, uh, we have been able to avoid some of the more, uh, the, some of these horrible encounters that we've seen in other states and cities. So yes, um, I think, uh, I hope we continue to. Yes, I do too. We're visiting with Knoxville City Mayor India Kincannon this morning, and we got so much I want to still talk about. We're going to talk about the lofty goals on in the environment and sustainability that the city is undertaking. Also, uh, we'll get into the Knox County Board of Education plan. Uh, of course, Mayor Mayor Kincannon has been very involved with the Board of Education for years, so we've got a lot to talk about. I'm also going to have my dollars and cents segment. What has the Federal Reserve statement on inflation and interest rates, uh, how is that going to impact you? You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we're visiting with Knoxville Mayor Andy Kincannon. We're very appreciative that she's taking time out of her biz, out of her vis, very busy schedule to help educate the community right here on this uh, radio station about what the city is doing. And it's been a challenging first year for Mayor Kincannon. Uh, before we get back to the mayor, however, it is time for dollars and cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. 
How might the federal, the feds, excuse me, the Federal Reserve's statement recently on interest rates and inflation, uh, how might that affect your retirement? You know, the Fed came out and said they are going to maintain low interest rates for the foreseeable future. Now, this is, of course, the overnight borrowing rate between the banks. And so that filters down, though, into the economy. And the Federal Reserve is actually trying to spur a little bit of inflation. And Jerome Powell, the chair, the chair of the Federal Reserve, said uh, last week in, in their statement that he's not worried about what we call transient inflation, meaning temporary. He thinks there's potential for a little bit of temporary inflation, but that it will be short-lived. Uh, here's the concern, though, for you if you're getting ready to retire or already retired. You know, low interest rates are good for business and, and, and good for younger folks that are wanting to expand business or build a house. You know, it's great for the housing market. I would expect real estate very well may continue to boom, especially residential real estate in the Knoxville community. But, you know, when you're retired, you're kind of facing some double whammies on threats to your income because interest rates are going to be very, very low for a while. I'd say at least for probably two or three more years. So it's hard to earn money on stable or protected investment options like banks, you know, CDs, individual bonds, either corporate or government bonds. It's just very difficult to earn a, a, a decent interest rate. And then if on the flip side, the Fed is trying to spur a little bit of inflation, you're getting squeezed. And this has, this has happened before. In the 1950s, there's a lot of parallels here. You know, we had this huge debt after World War II. We owed about, in terms of the size of our economy, our federal debt was about where it is now. Actually, it's a little higher now. But, you know, the Fed kind of wanted to create a little bit of inflation through the 50s and 60s while keeping interest rates low. Now, eventually the dam broke and we had hyperinflation in the 70s. But it's very difficult, I would say... You know, this is one of the two biggest risks today's retirees face. Now, one is retiring and having a a challenging market in the first five to ten years. You know, retiring into the teeth of a bear market. But the other one is retiring into a very, very low interest rate environment. The traditional alternatives of U.S. bond investment is just not going to be very attractive in the long haul. Yet, the, the piece that bonds have filled in a portfolio is not only stability of income and interest, but, you know, they offer stability to balance stock market risk because when the stock market is volatile, people are rushing to the safety of bonds. The problem is to add that diversification now, you know, it helps in the short term, but it's very damaging in the long term. And I would even say over a period of the next 10 years, if you really don't care what your investments do in the next 10 years, uh, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just using an example. But if you got in a time machine and went for, and, and, and flew forward 10 years and you didn't need to touch your money in the meantime, I actually think the risk of having not having as much money in your investments is greater in the bond market than it is in the stock market. So you need a different plan for diversification and for income. The traditional approach of 60-40, 70-30 stocks and bonds – probably not going to be very effective. 
you've got to be looking forward on what's likely to work in the future because everything in the past, especially in the last 50 years, we haven't had the type of interest rate environment that we're, we're going to have in the next 10 years. So be sure you're looking at the diversification in your portfolio and you've created an income plan for the early years of retirement and you don't depend so strongly on the traditional bond market investment. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting broganfinancial.com. I'd urge you to check us out at broganfinancial.com. You can follow us. Uh, You can sign up for our e-newsletter where we provide content uh, every week. We also will podcast this radio show. If you've missed part of this interview with with Mayor India Kincannon, we'll have it up on our website as a podcast by by Monday. We also have our dollars and cents segments, retirement minutes. I do video blogs and blogs, and we got plenty of resources. So I'd urge you to check it out, broganfinancial.com. Also, my next college uh, adult education is at the Pellissippi State Community College. Thrive Financially in Retirement is the name. It's a two-part class. It's on March the 2nd and the 9th. Two two-hour sessions in the evening. If you're retired or getting close to retirement, we'd love to see you there. Uh, I, I try to cover as much as I can to equip you to make informed decisions that can impact the quality of your life. You can go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com for more information. You can download a syllabus and click to register. We're visiting this morning with Knoxville City Mayor India Kincannon. And, Mayor, I'm just going to kind of dive right back into this. Uh, your office has set some sights on some lofty goals when it comes to environment and sustainability. I know there's a goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions 50% by 2030 for city operations mm-hmm. and 80% by 2050 for the Knoxville community as a whole. What are some of the ways you think that the city will be able to achieve these goals? Yeah, well, we're already, uh, we've hit the ground running. Uh, you know, the, the city, uh, transformed all of its streetlights and there's thousands and thousands of streetlights across the city to LED. And that saves us $2.2 million per year in energy costs. So that, that's, uh, one, one conversion. We are, we bought, we purchased, uh, 12 more electric vehicles for our, our fleet of cat buses. And we also try to use electric vehicles for, um, for inspections and codes and other other vehicles that we use throughout the city because uh, transportation is a big source of greenhouse gases. But the, the number one thing we're doing, because the city, we could do a really good job internally just in our own carbon footprint, but we need to work as a community. And we are fortunate to have the Tennessee Valley Authority and Oak Ridge National Lab right here in our community. And so they and other people are members of my um, mayor's climate council, and they've been meeting um, all this year, well, starting last May. And unfortunately, they're all virtual meetings, but they've been very productive meetings. And um, they're, they, these experts, uh, are coming up with some action items that we can implement uh, both internally with the city and also as a community. So that's a work in progress, and I'm hoping to be able to um, reflect some of those investments in the city budget, but also bring bring things out to the community as well, because um, this is this is a real this is our future, and and uh, we as a, our our economic future and our health future uh, all depends heavily on how we address climate change. Mayor Kincannon, let's talk about housing. 
you know, the home prices in Knoxville has been increasing and we're, you know, it's just booming in the residential uh, real estate market. Inventory is pretty low. How are you working to ensure that there is affordable housing for people at all income levels? Yeah, affordable housing uh, remains one of the most uh, critical things that we're working on. So as a a financial person, I'm sure you'll agree that we need to tackle it on both the supply side and the demand side. So on the supply of housing side, uh, just this year, we've invested an additional seven and a half million dollars to support affordable housing. And that's to basically bridge financing gaps for private developers who want to build uh, affordable housing, but sometimes the, making the financing more can be a challenge. So we help bridge those financing gaps. And just uh, in 2020, uh, 255 new, new construction apartment units have been added with assistance through from the city. So we're going to continue to do that. We also have um, um, opportunities for landlords who maybe don't own huge buildings, but, you know, a few apartments here and there or a sixplex or, you know, multi-unit things to, to uh, do rental rehabilitation. So you can get mm-hmm. funds through the city to improve your property. And then as a, you know, the string attached to that is that you have to maintain it at an affordable level. Um, but on the demand side, one reason affordable housing is a challenge is people, people's incomes are really low. So we're working on workforce development initiatives with the Chamber of Commerce and our education partners so people improve their skills and can earn more money. Because if you're only earning minimum wage or 10 or $12 an hour and you have children and a car to maintain, uh, any any amount of housing is, starts to be um, hard to out of reach if you're not earning enough money. So helping people improve their incomes and then they don't need subsidized housing, that's another uh, you know parallel path that we're trying to help people with as well. Mayor Kincannon, are you at all concerned about commercial real estate and the ability to attract businesses to Knoxville and the fact, because that's always good for the economy, and the fact that, you know, the commercial real estate end is, is, you know, definitely soft right now and a little bit uncertain as to how things are going to evolve in this new paradigm of, of working virtually? Yeah, I think that the, the future of, of, of office space is going to evolve as, as we've learned that people can uh, work in more, um, you know, from home and remote environments. But I would say that also people have really realized the value of face-to-face interaction. You can do a lot of things, but uh, we're all getting really Zoom fatigue. And, and also yeah. the, the private um, real estate and commercial real estate industry um, is booming here. And some of it's for office and retail space, but some of it is for, you know, more investment in residential property. Um, just this year, $180 million worth of uh, privately financed construction projects are just happening in downtown Knoxville. Um, with with you know the city's partner structures there, so people want to invest in in private um, private development because that's how that's how we uh, grow and, and we already have the infrastructure, the sewer, the sidewalks, the street, the streetscapes. Um, that is all our effort to um, attract and retain investment in our city. And, and I'm really pleased that people are bullish on the city, and and I aim to keep it that way. Oh yeah, the Knoxville's a great place to live, and it's growing and. As we visit with Knoxville Mayor India Kincan, and she's been very involved with education before she became mayor, and the importance of uh, you know our primary and secondary education in Knoxville, and the challenges with the pandemic. I want to dive into that when we get to our last segment. So do stay tuned, as it is such an important topic as we we try to help our young people through a challenging time. So stay with us. 
as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. And thanks for tuning in to more living this morning right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Uh, do uh, you know we're, we 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 come to you every Saturday, both at 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. If you've missed part of today's interview with Knoxville Mayor India Kincannon, uh, you can also catch it on our website. We'll have it podcast and up on the site by Monday. Check us out at broganfinancial.com. As everything that we do in the community, both with Brogan Financial here on this radio program with the classes I teach, everything that we do is to help equip you to make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. Mayor Kincannon, let's get into education. You know, you you previously sat on the Knox County Board of Education, I believe, for about 10 years, three yeah. of which you were the chair. So how yeah. do you, obviously, that's a passion of yours. How do you think the schools and education for our children have fared over the past year with the introduction of a virtual learning environment? And talk a little bit about some of the challenges and how you've been able to mitigate some of those mm-hmm. challenges. Sure. Well, I I am uh, deeply committed to uh, supporting the children and families of this community because they are our future. And so uh, to the extent that we can invest and support them, that's good news for Knoxville. So when the the pandemic hit, you know, school shut down and I was very, uh, you know, worried about this, both as a parent. I have my oldest daughter still in Knox County schools and, um, you know, for the children and families all over our community, what was going to happen to their learning how were parents going to juggle, um, you know, child care issues for people with younger kids. So the, the first thing we did was partnered with the school system to get food out to people. Um, so many uh, children and families depend on school lunches and breakfast for a big part of their nutrition. So our Parks and Rec and public service teams uh, worked to, you know, set up uh, food distribution sites uh, during the spring. And so... So that was uh, something we were happy and pleased to help with. We've also uh, been very committed to keeping youth-serving organizations uh, you know, for child care, for after school. Um, in particular, we, we wanted to um, – we partnered with organizations to make sure our health care workers and uh, first responders who could not uh, stay home – they can't work remotely uh, – but had a place where their kids could get child care in a safe way, even even when um, in the height of the pandemic. So um, – also, I just recently announced that we have a free bus, you know, cat buses will be free for all school-age children uh, until they graduate high school. And, and yeah, that's not the Freedom Pass, kids. right? Yeah, yeah, Youth Freedom Pass. Um, very excited about that. I think it's a way to connect kids to opportunity, whether it means staying after school for sports or or extracurriculars or tutoring or going from school to a job. Um, they can just ride for free at any time, any route. Um, and uh, I think that is also good for, as we mentioned in the last segment, uh, sustainability. You know, one less car on the street um, and teen drivers, you know, aren't always the safest. So it's a safety thing as well. So I feel um, like that's um, 
an important thing. I also think we are our, our nonprofits, uh, Animal Youth Foundation, Boys and Girls Club, and so many other entities. Uh, the city supports them um, financially, but also um, you know just with connecting connecting them to resources and, and making sure they have the the city supports they need to operate safely and stay open and support people. So. Well, all that stuff's so important. Uh, uh, seems like with the elementary kids, so challenging with virtual learning. <clears throat> you know, kids mm-hmm. learn in such different ways. And uh, w- w- from what I've seen, both the city and the county have really, really stepped up and, and done as much as you can to really help the learning experience for our students. Uh, yeah, Mayor Kincannon. I'm really pleased the school system, yeah, that they, yeah, they, they kept these options available. So. Now, this past year, I'm going to switch gears here. I've got a couple of other things that mm-hmm. I'd like to ask sure. you about. I know you, your office reestablished a human resources department for the city, and it's been 30 years, <laughs> Sarah, since there's been an HR department. That seems crazy to me. Why is it so important to have this department? Well, it's a, a race for talent in this world. Um, there's a we need we need talented people to serve our city, uh, you know, in public service and police and fire engineering. And uh, sometimes we um, we we used to rest on our laurels and be like, okay, the city is a great place to work. People will come to us, and that still happens to some extent. But we also have to compete with oh, yeah. uh, other institutions sometimes who can pay more, uh, particularly in the private sector. So how can we recruit and retain talented people? And, and so an HR department uh, had existed, um, and then it, it had sort of been absorbed into another department. So we had to bring that to city council and get the support of our uh, employees. And now we have a, a great new uh, HR director, Kelly Drummond, who's, who's been a leader in our community for, for many years. And she's now been with us for a month and, and already I can see, um, you know, there's some, a lot of positive changes where we work, you know, that we are actively, uh, you know, supporting our current employees and, and making sure that uh, the pay and benefits are competitive, uh, but also out there seeking talent and, and making sure that we have a, a nimble way to recruit recruit top people to the city. So I'm really excited about that. That's a, that's the kind of thing that, you know, the general public uh, will only see the benefit of indirectly, but I can tell that's going to be a long-term uh, benefit to the people of this community for sure. Absolutely. Mayor Kincannon, has it been a difficult attracting police in this kind of an environment? Well, it, it has has been hard, but I uh, we have a, a new uh, website devoted just to police recruitment, and we've had um, some good luck um, uh, attracting um, lateral recruits, people coming to Nashville from other departments uh, in other in other states. Um, and so, even though it has been hard, we even despite uh, some of the um, conversations about policing that have been made it seem uh especially challenging we've done better uh this year than we did the year before in in number of people entering the police academies and we're about to graduate another new uh class so i think uh that's really good news because we have like so many organizations a demographic bump where a lot of people are eligible for retirement so we need to uh we need to be ready for that and, and, and hire more talented people, but never lower our standards either. We need sure. to make sure there are people with high ethics and, and you know, all the abilities and, and aptitudes to be um, excellent keepers of the peace. Mayor Kincannon, we've just got about a minute left. I'm so excited mm-hmm. about the possibility of a downtown baseball stadium. I'm an, I'm an avid sports fan. I also <laughs> love the idea of what that could do for the downtown community. Where are we in that process, and do you think that a stadium could become a reality? Um, yeah, we have, have 
made some progress. We just had a, a first in a long time joint meeting with city council members and county commission earlier this week. And uh, there's good questions and good answers. And um, this is just the first of many meetings um, where we're going to talk about the costs. And I'm committed. I think it's a great idea. I want to bring baseball back to Knoxville. I just want to make sure that it's an investment that where the benefits to the public exceed the costs, um, just like it would for other parks uh, and other investments we make. But I'm very encouraged and optimistic that we can get this done. I think it'll be a good um, catalyst for a part of town that has not seen a lot of investment in, in recent decades. And it doesn't displace any existing businesses. It's just vacant property uh, down Absolutely. there right now. So, well, Mayor, um, Mayor, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got a lot going on. It's great to see, to see that you're willing to get out and help educate us in the community. Thank you for taking time. Thank today. you. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That's Knoxville Mayor India Kincannon. You can catch the full interview uh, on our website. It'll be podcast. That's broganfinancial.com. Many many thanks to both Chris and for Jill for all they do for helping us bring you this show every week. As you've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7, WOKI. Have a blessed weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.